Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many other things we do for the sake of the gospel. We are pleased to announce that you can enjoy this show wherever you love to listen to podcasts. With that in mind, please go ahead and like and share this so that others can be blessed. As a result, word of mouth is a huge deal for us. We also invite you, if you're interested and you have enjoyed this podcast, you enjoy allowing us to be a part of your life once a week, to consider becoming a podcast supporter. So you can go to the homepage for this podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number for the kingdom for everyone. You can find that information there. there. There are levels as little as 99 cents a month. So if it's just something that has blessed you, just we really encourage you just to consider supporting this podcast. It helps it to go around the world. Also, there's another really cool option there that we are still waiting and believing by faith that someone's going to take advantage of. There's a message tab there, and you can leave us a voice message or a question that we would love to feature on an upcoming episode of this podcast. Uh, here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. Okay, so we're going to jump right into this podcast episode. No sponsored segment break for this one. For some of you guys, that's probably a sigh of relief. Uh, our campaign for our first segment break has ended, and so we're waiting to get approved for another one and hopefully can mix it up a little bit. So we're going to jump into episode 34, and episode 34 is titled The Donkey Rider. The Donkey Rider. And again, this uh, episode is being recorded in and around uh, Easter coming up here in the States around Holy Week. And this episode is going to be taking a look at a layer of Palm Sunday. So when, you, when you're listening to this podcast, perhaps you've already celebrated Palm Sunday. Uh, also, um, you know, a lot of pastors do messages around the, the triumphal entry. Uh, so that's another another way that we know these events. But I just want to look at a layer here that perhaps you haven't thought about and just see if we can spur along some thoughts here, get some questions flowing. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback. So, you know, this this triumphant entry, this, you know, Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, this is the day when when Jesus, of course, is, is coming into Jerusalem, and we find that he is fulfilling the messianic prophecy in Zechariah, Zechariah 9, verse 9. I'll read that to you. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey. And so there we have it. There's there's Jesus riding in on a donkey, riding into Jerusalem, and he's riding in as the king, right? The righteous king, the victorious king, yet humble, riding on a donkey the, and the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus literally acts out this verse in Zechariah 9. And it's no coincidence, you think about it, uh, at the same time, Pilate is parading in on the west side of the temple to oversee Passover. And uh, not that he's going to celebrate Passover. Uh, as a Roman, he wouldn't. But uh, he's there really just to make sure that no chaos breaks out. Um, and you may say, well, why would chaos break out? Well, so around Passover, what were the Israelites celebrating? They were celebrating deliverance from their oppressors. 
And so Rome is now the new oppressor. In, in, in the day of first Passover, it was Egypt. Now it's Rome. And so he just didn't want these Israelites to get any ideas that, hey, today they might once again try to overthrow their oppressors and be delivered. And uh, so um, I'm sure Pilate is riding in on his thoroughbred stallion, and Jesus, quite the opposite, decides to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's a donkey rider. <laughs> He's not on a war horse uh, with his sword drawn. He's on a donkey. And, and and maybe in a way that we can understand this thought a little bit better, he's not packing heat. He uh, he doesn't have his uh, his 40 calories, 9 millimeters strapped to his side ready for action. That's just not what he's about. And so so think about it, you know. This, this certainly is not the entrance that people are expecting from their Messiah. But, you know, nevertheless, the crowds, they give him a royal welcome. They shout, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That term Hosanna, save, save us now. It's, it's, a, it's an immediate, we're, we're expecting salvation now in the moment. And, uh, and they're waving palm branches, again, symbolic of, you know, their deliverance, the Messianic deliverance of the Jews. And uh, so everyone is is understanding what's going on, you know, and, and this this is it. You know, this, this moment is Jesus' opportunity to show who he is, to prove himself as the Messiah that everyone's been waiting for. He's been making these claims. He's the Son of God. Okay, so let's see. Okay, Son of God, prove it. What are you going to do? And, um, you know, I wonder what the crowd expected. Maybe they expected him to to go towards the, the closest Roman fortress and start overthrowing. And, you know, hey, perhaps. I, well, I'm sure, no doubt, that that the crowd there probably would have joined in, turned into a mob, rushed the fortress. Okay, this this is some messianic stuff right here. He has come to deliver us once again. He is Moses. He is Elijah. Um, no, that's it, very different. So he, he doesn't actually take a turn towards any Roman fortress or any, any Roman soldiers. He turns in a different direction towards the eastern gate, to the temple. So he, <laughs> well, okay, what's going on? Okay, unorthodox. We thought you would save us from Rome, but okay, you're going to the temple. And he goes in and he looks around and, and well, we know what happens next, right? He, he starts rebuking the money changers. He starts cleansing out the temple. And honestly, uh, he wasn't just cleansing the temple. Uh, he was very much symbolically, and it would happen uh, within 40 years after this moment, I mean, he was shutting it down. You know, you you have turned my father's house into a mockery. You've turned it into a place for for buying and selling. And and, and you know, and again, before we think that God has anything as buying and selling, no, not at all. Um, he was addressing directly the business, the the money making machine the Pharisees had turned the temple into, and they were selling indulgences and sacrifices right there. And, um, and Jesus is like, I'm done. You know, you guys have misrepresented the heart of the Father for far too long. And so you think about it within the context of what's going on. So, you know, Sunday, Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week. And it's just, I mean, what, four, four days later? I mean, by the end of the week, uh, Jesus had basically made everyone upset. And 
Friday morning, <laughs> he's standing before Pilate, and we see that in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. So think about it. Palm Sunday, the crowds are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, to the son of David, save us. And by Friday, the cry is crucify him. And and, and I'm sure, again, it's, it's many layered, but I can't help but to think one of, the, one of the layers is, okay, first of all, we thought you'd be one thing. We thought you would come with military might. We thought you would destroy and crush the head of our adversaries. We thought you would deliver us from our Roman oppressors. And instead, you go and you shut the temple down. You're, you're challenging everything that we've held sacred, everything that has helped us cling to any sort of dignity from the, you know, the memories of our fathers. What are you doing? And uh, so again, my kingdom, he says to Pilate, is not of this world. What? Seriously? What does Jesus mean? I mean, so let's make sure we're clear on this. Jesus doesn't mean his kingdom is it for the world, because it certainly is. He also didn't say it's not meant to be manifested in the world, because it it is. And, uh, and and he's also not referring to the kingdom as this place where we all sit on fluffy clouds and play harps and sing Amazing Grace forever with our you know feet in the Jordan. Um, because let's be honest, that sort of kingdom, right, that we're that I just talked about, kind of tongue in cheek, is it's not a threat to anyone. It's not a threat to Pilate, it's not a threat to Rome, it's not a threat to the Pharisees, it's not a threat to the religious. Um, but too often if we're not careful, that's how we imagine the kingdom of God to be. And uh, it's not this, you know, this immaterial escapist place. And, and let's be honest, such a place isn't even able to reflect anything that Jesus had been living or preaching for, for the three years before these moments. So, I mean, we, we have to make sure we understand that the kingdom of God is real. I mean, you can see it. He told Nicodemus, you, you can see it, but you have to be born again, born from above. You can touch it. It is definitely sub, subversive. I mean, it really is. Um, nothing like the kingdoms of this world. I, I love this quote by Greg Boyd uh, in his book, The Myth of a Christian Nation. I love this quote. The crucial distinction between the two kingdoms is how they provide antithetical answers to the questions of what power one should trust to change ourselves and others. Do you trust power over or power under? Do you trust the power of the sword, the power of external force, or do you trust the influential but non-coercive power of Calvary-like love? Wow, you talk about summarizing the two kingdoms. So, so really, the kingdom of God in any other kingdom would be classified as the other kingdom. The, the only way any kingdom of men knows how to rule is to rule over. It, it's, it's with the heavy hand. It's the hammer. It's the lightning bolt from the sky. But the kingdom of God, it, it grows under. It, it, it equips from under. What do I mean? It has roots. It, it's patient. It, um, it cares about maturity and richness, right? Richness of heart, richness of character and soul. And so uh, it, it takes its time because the kingdom of God is not out for violence. Again, Romans 14, 17, and, and very much the heart of this podcast. The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Ghost. So this this is the kingdom that we're invited to, a kingdom that looks like sacrificial 
Calvary-like love. It looks like Jesus riding on a donkey. It looks like him hanging on a cross for the sins of the world. And so, so much um, to consider. You know, we think about this conflict between the, the, the kingdom of God, the, the kingdoms of men. We look at struggles for power. There's, there, there's, there's political components even playing out in these moments. Remember when Jesus, again, when he is brought before Pilate, Pilate's primary concern is, um, do you plan to overthrow what Herod has put in place? You know, your people say that you're, a, you're the king of the Jews, uh, and uh, so, so what do you say? So he was more—listen— Pilate was not threatened by Jesus at all in his religious uh, exercise or anything like that. What concerned him was, now listen, if, you, if you're going to flex some type of governmental political power to overthrow us, well then, yeah, there's going to be a problem. And, uh, and we find out as the verses play on, and I, I encourage you, go through these verses this week as we're you know, going through Holy Week, approaching Easter Sunday, uh, that, um, you know, uh, go and read those verses. Pilate wasn't interested at all. In crucifying Jesus, and he even confessed his the trial is unjust concerning him, and that's of course where where the terrible choice comes, and the people they they prefer Barabbas over Jesus, and you know uh, another topic for another time. I think the reason so many of us have such a hard time with the people choosing Barabbas instead of Jesus is because Barabbas is us, right? Barabbas is any of us. Um, so it just doesn't feel fair, does it, to see a righteous Jesus condemned, a righteous Jesus who absorbs the sin of the world, when we know that we're the ones deserving of the brunt of that weight. And so all these layers going on. And, um, you know, so again, I, I want to kind of look at that verse again uh, that we read earlier uh, there in John 18 and kind of add some thoughts to it. My kingdom is not of this world, if it were... I'd be doing, you know, worldly kingdom kind of stuff. Sure, I'll talk with Pilate. Yeah, I mean, I'll even call Herod a sly fox, but I'm not doing the power over tit-for-tat thing. I'm not doing it. No, I'll expose the evil and the injustice of the system by my good works, but I will not play Caesar's game. All those who know me will follow me. And with that in mind, I, I would say it's more apparent now than, than I've seen it in my own lifetime, at least, that the church, we really just need to adopt a healthy suspicion of all kingdoms of the world, all parties, all candidates. We need to be suspicious of all of them because the kingdom of God is not trying to figure out how to find placement in the systems of the world, okay? The kingdom of God reigns above them all, Right? reigns underneath them all, <laughs> better said. So listen, if you want to participate, and, and again, by the way, I'm not saying don't participate. This is not a podcast episode saying, you know, you shouldn't have any kind of political involvement. I'm, I'm not telling you not to vote. What I'm saying is that um, when you do just understand your vote doesn't make the kingdom of God manifest. Your favorite candidate, your favorite party um, and again, this is tying back to observing the kingdoms of this world, uh, is not going to make the kingdom of God manifest. So, so do what's in your heart to do. Vote with your convictions. And, and I would say in a very imperfect and flawed system that we find ourselves in, especially in the West and, and many places around the world, of course, 
is to vote with what you believe is the most closely aligned with the kingdom of God and what that means, but not, not in any way is it a substitute for, for the kingdom. So, so again, just, just don't be fooled into believing or into trusting that there's anything uniquely Christian about the kingdoms of the world, because there's not. We don't get our life from that. And so, you know, for followers of Jesus, you know, we belong uh, to another, another kingdom. We belong to something totally different. Uh, and our citizenship, our allegiance is to a heavenly king and his kingdom. That's what we, what we see uh, in, in, in Philemon 3. Don't confuse your calling as a kingdom ambassador by mixing the language and concerns of Jesus with the kingdoms of this world, with partisan politics and, and infighting, right? Listen, I, I'm pretty sure, I say this with confidence, that God, the Lord does not approve, right? He does not approve. When, when we as believers start dividing over such trivial things, oh my goodness. So how do I wrap this up? I just want to encourage you. It's time to trust the power of the cross. You know, if, if, if well, I know we talk about it, but I'm talking about seriously. It's time to trust the power of the cross. We need to pledge our allegiance afresh to the one riding into town on a donkey. Come on, the suffering Messiah, vindicated in resurrection because of his faithfulness. It is time to believe that his kingdom advances when we stop trying to bring it through worldly kingdom means. And instead, we see the church as his agents of new creation. That's the world is not looking for more political solutions. It's looking for new creation realities. And we, my friends, if you're if you're hearing this podcast and, and you recognize Jesus the Lord of your life, you know that you're a part of the body of Christ. You are an agent of new creation. Oftentimes we feel like we are cornered into this choice between the donkey and the elephant, but we forget that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so that is... That's how we rule. That's how we reign. And again, it doesn't look like what we always think. And I encourage you to go back and listen to some of our earlier podcast episodes to get a feel and a flavor for what I believe, humbly, the kingdom of God looks like being manifest in the earth and in our lives. And just see if that doesn't minister to you and maybe help you change your mind a little bit. All right, well, I hope that this has challenged you today and blessed you. And I want to encourage you uh, as we're leading up to Easter Probably before you hear my voice again, you will have celebrated. And so I want to wish you a very happy Resurrection Day. And just remember, the resurrection was not an isolated incident. Paul picked up on that mystical thought uh, in his own writings, and he says that we were crucified with him, we were buried with him, we, we were resurrected with him, and if you continue in that train of thought, we also ascended with him. We see that in Ephesians, that we're right now seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places in Christ Jesus far above, and it just doesn't get much better than that. And so hopefully, probably in our next episode that you hear, I want to talk a little bit about Easter, perhaps the uh, the Hallelujah Song of Jesus, one of my favorite uh, little things to talk about around this time of the year. And uh, so yeah, make sure you join us next week to hear that before we continue and move on into some other subjects. So here at the end of this podcast, I do want to mention Hester Ministries. Go to hesterministries.org slash partner if you'd like to partner with us on a monthly basis. We sure would love that. Uh, our, you know, my speaking schedule for this year is blowing up. I just have been booking dates now into November of this year. 
which is just amazing to think about. So we're so grateful for the demand being made on the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel uh, that is truly good news. Uh, Also go to presenttruthacademy.org. If you'd like to find out more information, how you can become a study partner, uh, man, we sure would love that as well. You know, we we want to be with you in your journey uh, into present truth. And right now, we're actually getting ready to wrap up our brand new study track, "The Sermon on the Mount," a ten-week study on the Constitution of the Kingdom. I promise you, it'll bless your life. Again, want to remind you: share this podcast with everyone that you know. Share it on your social media uh, handles and, and, and platforms. Leave a review so that this can get in front of more people uh, because ultimately that's what it's about. We want to impact as many people as we can with the goodness of God. Okay, well, that's going to be it for this episode, and uh, we'll see you next week. Before we sign off, I want to remind you of this. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you.